You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. Welcome to the November 2021 Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. I'm Liz. And I'm Jess. And we are from the Course Report team. So we spend our days helping students choose the best coding bootcamps for them. But each month we take a little break and we round up all of the most interesting bootcamp industry news that we read about and chatted about in the Course Report office or sent each other on Slack. And we <laughs> share it all with you. So we're getting close to the end of 2021, Jess. Mm-hmm. So much has happened this year. Mm-hmm. Just remember that in next month's episode, we are going to be looking back at 2021. We'll point out a few trends that we've noticed. We're going to make some predictions for 2022. You know, if there's one episode to listen to or share with a friend each year, this is definitely it. But for now, Jess, what are we going to cover for the November episode of our news roundup? Yeah, so we're going to start off with the Udemy IPO and the Lambda School rebrand. Then we're going to talk about stories about how boot camps are reskilling during this, quote, great resignation. Then we're going to unpack two, actually, I think three great business insider pieces about the real value of a boot camp. And we've got news about how boot camps are helping to launch careers for women and indigenous people. And of course, we're going to tell you about the eight new coding boot camps that we added to the course report directory this November. Let's start off with three announcements about IPOs, rebrands, and milestones in the boot camp world. All right. So first, Bloomberg reported that Udemy went public in October, raising $421 million in its initial public offering. With shares selling at $29, Udemy's market value is estimated to be about $4 billion. Higher Ed Dive published three takeaways from that Udemy IPO. First was that interest in MOOCs is running high, both from learners and from uh, investors. In its prospectus for the IPO, Udemy warned that the level of demand seen from learners during the pandemic may fade as vaccines become more widely distributed and coronavirus restrictions lift. So that's something to look out for. Two was that MOOC providers are looking for new business models. For example, Coursera offers degree programs with partner colleges. The MOOC has become a lead generation funnel for traditional universities and OPM providers in most cases. But the third takeaway was that Udemy is one example of a MOOC that really has not gone in that direction. It's not really a threat to traditional higher ed. Udemy never really did the collaborations with traditional higher ed providers. And instead, they've focused on their consumer and corporate businesses. If you haven't heard already, Lambda School is now officially Bloom Institute of Technology, or Bloom Tech for short. 
TechCrunch reports that the company is rebranding and updating its tuition payment options to introduce an outcomes-based loan. This new loan program is interesting because it's $0 up front for the student, and then if a student is unable to get a job within a year of graduating from Bloom Tech, that student gets 110% of their tuition refunded to them, and that's including fees and interest. Liz, what do you make of this 110% refund? Yeah, well, I mean, this is definitely the first time we've seen this 110% tuition refund guarantee in the bootcamp space. I think bootcamps are trying to show applicants that their incentives are aligned and that this school can you know, stake its success on the fact that alumni are getting jobs. It could be a 110% refund. It could be a 300% refund. It's all pretty much the same. If you don't get a job, then the school is saying that they are going to you know, lose money. Mm-hmm. And I think different schools have approached that in different ways over the years. You know, We've seen job guarantees, money back guarantees, income share agreements are another example. All of those are great, but still you know, the most effective way, I think, to demonstrate that your alumni are actually getting jobs in the field is by, of course, publishing transparent outcomes data. You know, Lambda School, Bloom Tech, now Bloom Tech used to publish that via CIRR. Now they released their own report from 2020. You know, we really want to see more schools, including Lambda School, uh, report data through standardized practices like SEER. Mm-hmm. But interesting, 110%, you know, it's good. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to see uh, how it works story. out. Yeah. Um, and our final announcement is a, really a congratulations to Tech Elevator, which has officially graduated 2,000 bootcamp alumni and placed them in technology jobs. Yes, Tech Elevator is an example of one of the schools that does report those outcomes via CIRR. Uh, so yeah, congrats to Tech Elevator. Remember, they're owned by Stride, and they've got six campuses around the U.S., Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and Wilmington, Delaware. That's their newest one. And then also, of course, their their national online remote program. Um, But yeah, cool milestone. How can we do a podcast episode about work and skills without talking about this great resignation? Well, that trend continued through November. As people have been resigning en masse, we're also seeing those workers changing careers and retraining. In November, CNBC highlighted how boot camps can be an effective way to pivot your career. Um, General Assembly career coach Ariane Hunter is quoted in that article as saying that making a career change is taking around six months these days, which is actually less time than what it took about one to two years ago. One contributing factor to that great resignation, and we talked about this a little bit in last month's podcast too, remember that HR Dive reported that limited career progression and a lack of learning opportunities are among the top reasons why tech employees specifically say that they are thinking of quitting their jobs. Everyone wants more in-house training opportunities. Everyone wants to be able to continue learning and growing and becoming better at their jobs. And remember that coding boot camps do that in-house training. Yeah, for example, Udemy's corporate training product, Udemy Business, reported a significant increase in usage throughout October, so they let us know about this in November. So compared to its September numbers, Udemy reports that it saw a 454% increase in its Google Cloud professional developer certification content, a 437% month-to-month increase in its data engineering content, and also soft skills training, what Udemy calls 
quote, power skills. Um, those rose by 277%. HR Dive notes that specific industries are seeing similar growth, such as Oracle certification courses, and then Udemy's robotic process automation content. Cool data. And as Jack Kelly points out in Forbes, another example of this corporate partnership trend is at Flatiron School. Big companies such as Amazon have turned to the Flatiron School to help its own employees learn to code. In a tight job market, Amazon contends that by teaching its warehouse uh, fulfillment center and other workers tech skills, they can rise up in the ranks. And then also that that goodwill also helps uh, with recruitment and retention and cuts the costs associated with hiring from the outside. Recently, about 270 employees graduated from that Flatiron School Amazon program. And Flatiron also announced this month a commitment to interview campaign with Amazon's Career Choice program. So that means that partner companies will commit to interviewing at least 25 graduates, and they'll host one recruiting event specifically for Amazon Career Choice graduates. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a cool kind of commitment or like putting that into stone. Mm -hmm. The Great Resignation has mainly been a U.S.-based phenomenon this fall, um, but Vancouver Sun points out that it could be happening in Canada soon enough, especially with workers ages 18 to 34. BC Institute of Technology has seen a 20% uptick in enrollment for its, quote, micro-credentialing programs, um, where students can learn about cybersecurity, IoT, and tech sales, to name a few. Lighthouse Labs CEO Jeremy Shockey says that their boot camp has seen an influx of applications since the pandemic began, and that even with this topsy-turvy job market of the past year to two years, 2021 has been a really great year for the Lighthouse Labs Bootcamp graduates as they continue to land really great jobs. I also just want to give a mention that Lighthouse Labs is now doing their 21-day coding challenge. Um, it actually started last week on November 22nd, and it runs through to December 12th. So this is a great way to learn how to code. I think it's specifically on JavaScript. And then you can also win prizes. So check it out. And it's free, right? And it's totally free. Great. Love to hear it. Well, we're always reading about the coding boot camp versus college degree debate, and November was no exception. Um, yes. Jess, do you want to kick this off? Totally. So WorkShift dove into that college versus short programs debate this month by highlighting a new working paper published by the National Bureau of Economic Research. Basically, this paper points to a recent study that shows why Americans from disadvantaged backgrounds choose short programs, such as two-year degree programs, instead of a four-year college or university program. So the high price of college tuition has obviously been a deterrent for those from disadvantaged backgrounds, but the study also points to the fact that these Americans have experienced serious instability, so understand how life can get in the way of plans. Seen through this perspective, shorter programs make so much more sense because there's less time for a life event to rear its ugly head and halt that education. Making education more of a sure thing by expanding financial aid, such as that Pell Grant program that we've talked about a few times this year, could go a long way to helping these folks get the education they need to land stable employment. Absolutely. And that newsletter, the WorkShift newsletter, is such an excellent yes. resource, a good one to subscribe to. Totally. 
All right. Well, here's an interesting look back at a trend that we talked about in early 2020, the gap year. So do you remember this? In August 2020, a Simpson Scarborough study found that 40% of incoming college freshmen were considering taking a gap year. Super interesting. Obviously, they could take that year and go to a boot camp or get work experience, teach themselves. But this November, Rebecca Koenig revisited that hypothesis and says that a year later, it's difficult to say for sure to what extent those predictions actually came true. Some elite institutions reported really large deferral rates like Harvard, where nearly 20% of freshmen delayed enrollment in 2020. But other colleges ended up with larger freshman classes than they could handle. Nationwide, higher ed enrollments did fall in 2020, but then they also fell again in 2021. So there's no real conclusive data yet about that pandemic era gap year trend, but we should know in the next couple of years if that actually panned out. With millions of jobs lost in the pandemic and probably not returning, competency-based learning could be an important piece in how we ensure an equitable recovery over the next few years. Between 2013 and 2020, Sinclair Community College, based in Dayton, Ohio, enrolled over 2,000 students in their own competency-based education, um, which offered associate and certificate programs in fields like IT. Higher Ed Dive points out that Sinclair could be a great example of how more institutions can incorporate this competency-based learning into their programs, which can be especially powerful in supporting a diverse, job-ready workforce. And here's a very specific but interesting career change from therapy to UX design. So Stephen Gossett interviewed four ex-therapists for Built-In who had degrees in psychology and careers in therapy, but changed careers into UX design by going to a UX boot camp. There are far more similarities than you might think. For example, one of the UX bootcamp grads said that her therapy background helped her frame design thinking as a scientific process, and her understanding of how environmental factors influence responses has improved her ability to analyze user journeys. And of course, learning soft skills like reflective listening has helped her in her career as a UX designer. Um, super interesting. And if you have a background in therapy or psychology and are trying to to make a, a career shift, then you should consider UX design. With so many people making a career change through coding boot camps, we saw a bit of a pulse check on how many boot camp grads are actually being hired. Liz, what was Business Insider's take on this? Sure. So Vincent Wu, who is generally quite critical of coding boot camps, he published a piece in Business Insider this November that scrutinized placement rates and success rates at boot camps. He focused on schools like Lambda School or Bloom Tech, um, General Assembly, and Flatiron School. And the main part of the outcomes reports that Vincent focuses on for this piece is the number of non job-seeking graduates. So when you look at an outcomes report, you should pay attention to the number of students that the school classifies as non-job-seeking or like non-responsive. And of course, if a student isn't trying to get a job as a developer after a boot camp, then it doesn't make sense to include them in a jobs report. But if that number is too high, then it can be a red flag. 
So I spoke to Vincent for this piece on background, and I recommended that boot camps, you know, obviously be a part of CIRR. So I was happy to see that they included advice from Sherry Speakman from SEER. And of course, uh, you know, the main issue here is that if all of the boot camps aren't a part of one centralized, standardized uh, uh, reporting you know, organization, then there will just always be these discrepancies. So um, I'll just quote from the end of this article. Vincent says, despite their problems, Speakman told me it is noble to post placement results in public when the norm in education is to sidestep the question of job placement altogether. However, for this transparency to have meaning, these results need to be standardized and trustworthy, which isn't possible so long as every large school posts results that are inconsistent and slightly different ways. Um, And so, yeah, I also wanted to just draw a couple of points that Vincent makes about ISAs, which I think would be helpful potentially to um, students specifically. One pro tip is, you know, he points out that in the case of Lambda School, even if a student withdraws, they can still be responsible for paying the school if they get a tech job within five years. So that's definitely something to look out for, um, ask about in the application process. And then Vincent also points out that even Thinkful's tuition refund promise requires strict compliance with certain conditions such as like the student can't say no to any qualifying position. So that's another thing to keep an eye out for or, or ask about as you're choosing a boot camp. Forbes published a great article this month about how adaptability is the new must-have skill in the workforce. In light of all the flux we've been living through in the past two years, Roger Patterson of Canada-based Tech Incubator Launch says those working in tech and entrepreneurs should still be planning with a long-term vision in mind, but not rigidly planning. There are no best laid plans anymore, so having flexibility with your planning will allow you to continue your tech career growth and possibly open you up to new opportunities you didn't even know existed when you started out. So just a little piece of positive (laughs) advice as you're trying to either reskill or scale up your tech career in this very soon new year on our doorstep. Absolutely. And finally, Business Insider published another piece in November about Silicon Valley tech recruiters being skeptical about coding bootcamp grads. I'll say, you know, Business Insider has done some really excellent reporting recently about bootcamps. This was definitely the most clickbaity of, of the three yes. <laughs> uh, Business Insider articles that we read this, this month. They basically interviewed two recruiters, and one of them said that bootcamp grads have excellent soft skills, but that their technical skills were less strong. The other recruiter said that the exact opposite, that now that people are resigning from their jobs and leaving huge talent gaps at tech companies, businesses are looking to hire whoever is qualified, regardless of education. And, you know, that really smart companies like Twilio do hire coding bootcamp grads and put them into apprenticeship programs, train them in-house to become full-time developers. So, you know, I guess I kind of understand the idea of, you know, making this title sound super skeptical of bootcamp grads, but then the actual evidence in the article basically says that bootcamp grads do get hired and do a really good job on the job. Let's move on to reports about diversity in tech, and we've been keeping an eye specifically on reporting about women returning to the workforce since the pandemic began last March. Liz, what's the latest news about that? 
In HR Dive, Emily Shumway looked into a recent MetLife study which said that although one in five women, 19%, left the workforce during the pandemic, nearly two-thirds, 63%, planned to return. That departure in 2020, remember, was due in large part to a childcare crisis, uh, but now that children are mostly back in school, employers are noticing that women are beginning to trickle back into the workforce and are really excited about that. Women said in that survey that they were looking for increased leave and flexibility, career progression opportunities, economic incentives and tailored benefits, upskilling programs, and DEI programs. That study gave special consideration to women in STEM fields and found that women in STEM were most likely to leave their jobs due to poor work-life balance. So adding in mentorship, diversity, and all of those suggestions would help any any employer. So many boot camps do a great job on helping veterans reskill and launch new tech careers, such as Dev Code Camp, 1150 Academy, V School, and CodeSmith. Coding Boot Camp Galvanize runs Operation Level Up, which is their tech training program aimed at helping U.S. service members who are transitioning out of the military. Women have historically been underrepresented in tech and the military, so KSBY reports that Galvanize is now using Operation level up to focus its efforts on supporting more women veterans get into the tech space. Um, It would be awesome if they posted some outcomes on this program, maybe late 2022, but we will have to see how that works out. Absolutely. And Puneet Sandhu published an article for Business Insider. Again, I promise like they must be doing some push to publish content around boot camps. But um, this one focused on diversity in tech. Boot camps, you know, have the potential to uh, contribute to solving tech's diversity crisis. But 10 years after boot camps were founded, Puneet wonders if that is happening. You know, what we see on the ground is that boot camps are doing what they can to serve students from underrepresented backgrounds, whether that means innovating on payment models uh, where, you know, universities haven't been willing or able to do that in the past, or partnering with community organizations to try to get folks in the door and in the application process um, who are underrepresented in tech. But really, truly, in order to see real change, employers have to commit to hiring bootcamp grads as more junior level engineers. We were just talking about the employer or even recruiter stigma around bootcamp graduates. And when there's this tension or refusal to hire folks with less traditional backgrounds or less education, that's when we exacerbate that existing diversity problem in tech. So the students that Puneet speaks to for this article seem to say the same, that, you know, when their employers have been thoughtful about hiring and building diverse teams and hiring from boot camps, then everybody really wins. I will say we read a lot of Business Insider uh, articles this month. The content in them is fantastic. The the titles of yes. these articles are a little clickbaity. So um, I wouldn't read the title and, you know, skip ahead, read yes. the entire article. <laughs> 
And as Liz was just saying, you know, every month we're reporting on companies looking to diversify their workforce. Um, lately, that seems to be through paid internships and virtual recruiting efforts. WorkShift, another great article from WorkShift, um, dug deeper into this by looking at a new study from National Association of Colleges and Employers to find out if paid internships and virtual recruiting are actually diversifying those workforces. And the findings are kind of mixed. So in the good news, virtual recruiting seems to be really helping with diversity. Seven out of 10 Black students and six out of 10 Latinx students said they learned more about an employer through virtual recruiting efforts than in-person recruiting efforts. For comparison, white students were 50-50 on the virtual versus in-person approaches. So as Liz was saying before, that's great because that means that people are more comfortable and possibly diversifying that tech pipeline is really happening happening with this virtual recruiting. The study highlights how important paid internships are versus unpaid internships. By college graduation, students who had completed a paid internship received 75% more job offers than those who did an unpaid internship. This is really cool, except for the fact that the paid internship pipeline isn't very diverse at the moment. The study found that marginalized populations um, in the study, they were saying women, people of color, and first-generation students were less likely to have those paid internship opportunities. And if they did get some kind of internship, it was probably unpaid. WorkShift highlights how maybe companies need to change up their internship mindset. There could be paid micro internships of three to four weeks, which can be just as effective for interns who need a little bit of experience in order to land that great new job. Very interesting. And according to Vancouver is Awesome, Jelly Academy is working to launch the marketing careers of dozens of Indigenous people in Canada. Jelly Academy points out that education is a common barrier for Indigenous students who are entering the workforce. So they're teaching skills around SEO, social media, Google Analytics, and advertising on various platforms. And employers in Canada, like the marketing agency Search Kings in this article, says that uh, this is exactly what the industry needs. So for new schools this month, you know, there wasn't a ton of news going on, but we did see some cool new partnerships and some interesting new program announcements. Um, Liz, what did we see with Upright? Upright announced a new university bootcamp partnership with Norwich University in Vermont. That first cohort will start this February. Galvanize has partnered with Defense Logistics Agency to train DLA personnel in data analytics and data science. So over the years, Galvanize has done so many partnerships with different government agencies to help them reskill their employees. And this is their latest bootcamp accelerator program. The nonprofit bootcamp Nashville Software School announced a partnership with Amazon to launch a new software engineering program. That new bootcamp is aimed at expanding opportunities and access to tech careers to those who live in Nashville. And finally, North Coders opened a new campus in Newcastle as part of the innovation hub at Barclays Eagle Labs. And Jess, we added eight new schools to the course report directory in November. Let's yes. tell everyone who those schools are. Let's introduce them. Totally. So we added Hack Academy, which is an online bootcamp based in Uruguay, and the online full stack software development bootcamp coding summit. 
We also added LSU's UI UX design bootcamp, which is powered by Springboard. And as we mentioned earlier, Norwich University bootcamps, which are powered by Upright. And we added Gowana Education, which was founded to ensure equal access to the digital economy for all Australians, including First Nations people. We added data analytics bootcamp tracked, UX and product design bootcamp designer up, and online bootcamp coding invaders. So that's all of the new bootcamps for this November. I'm sure we will have a slew of new ones in December to round out our year. Absolutely. And if you attended any of those schools, that means that you can now go on course report and leave a review of your experience as an alumni of any of those eight new schools. All right. Well, Jess, let's wrap up today's podcast as we do all of our podcast episodes by talking about our favorite pieces to work on for the course of work blog in November. Um, so many great pieces that we published this month, lots of great alumni spotlights and alumni success stories. But what was your favorite piece to work on, Jess? I got to do this really cool guide on Python for cybersecurity with cybersecurity expert and Flatiron School instructor Asta Sani. I am very much at the beginner level when it comes to cybersecurity, um, but even I learned so much talking with Asta. She's such an asset to the Flatiron School team. So whether you're a cybersecurity newbie or someone who's looking to skill up, definitely check out this Python for cybersecurity guide to figure out which Python libraries you should be diving into first. And Liz, what was your favorite blog post to work on this month? I actually published my favorite piece today. I got to talk to Michael Foote, who is a career coach at Springboard, about the specific traits that make a successful data analyst. So Michael spent um, the last 12 years as a technical recruiter. So he's gotten to see what, what companies are actually looking for here. And he told us three signs that you're probably cut out for data analytics. I'll let everyone read that article to see what those traits are. I'm not going to spoil it, but data analytics is such a great entry point into data. It's a great um, job for career changers. So if you see any of those three characteristics in yourself, then you should definitely put it on your New Year's resolution list for 2022. And that does it for our November podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Keep checking in on Course Report for the latest about online and in-person bootcamp opportunities. And we'll see you next month on our humongous, amazing end of the year coding bootcamp news roundup. Absolutely. I cannot wait for that episode. And in the meantime, we love feedback. Email us your thoughts at hello at coursereport.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, help other future boot campers find it by going to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you found this podcast, subscribing to the Course Report podcast and leaving us a review. We will see you in December, everyone. See you in Thank December. you. Bye.